Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we have a news and notes roundup for everyone. Just going to chat a little bit about everything that's been happening, quite frankly, around the NWSL playoffs because we've been pretty focused on the postseason. Before we get into that, just want to let everybody know that Attacking Third is presented by Delta Airlines, the official airline of the National Women's Soccer League. Keep climbing. And a reminder that you can catch a live Attacking Third show at the NWSL Championship. That's right. You didn't hear incorrectly. Lisa and I are going to Washington C. We're going to be at Audi Field on October 29th. So before the NWSL final, join us for a live pregame show with special guests and analysis. It's like every day that goes by, we're just one step closer. More I mean, and more. It's this week. Like we head out and incredibly soon so we can get there and get everything set up. If you're coming from distance, hop on a Delta flight. Like why not? It's the best way to get oh, yeah. to Washington, D.C. Um yeah, I mean, I cannot believe that we are at the NWSL championship. Like, like we're here. There's no more playoffs. We have our final teams. Um, it's truly, truly mind-boggling that it is the end of October already, considering yeah. um, how quickly this season went. Like, it was a long season. A lot of players talk about that with the Challenge Cup and then the regular season. But, man, it went really, really fast. And I'm so excited for this weekend. I'm so excited for Saturday. Yeah, I'm hyped for Saturday too. It's uh, it's hard to believe. It's like at the as much excitement as there is, it's also like very like unreal to imagine that like we're already here, like that we're just going to see who's going to be crowned and WSL champion, and it's going to be either the Thorns or Kansas City. It's sort of fun to think about and get real reflective during this time, like where we were thinking. Uh, teams were going to land, you know, throughout the regular season, let alone where they were going to, you know, land in the postseason. Uh, and now we sort of get to see it all come together. It's exciting, exciting time for sure. Uh, but there's also some really exciting things happening outside of the postseason. You know, we're we're yeah. we're understanding of that, which is why we wanted to sort of hop on a live here and kind of collect our thoughts on on the news happening. Uh, around the postseason, a big, big one is the FIFA Women's World Cup schedule has dropped, so folks can start planning accordingly. Listen, if you're if you're the type of person that loves big events and you have the ability and means to go part participate and take in a world a Women's World Cup, um, congratulations. For those of you who are not, uh, this is very helpful to maybe schedule around your. Your, your sleeping patterns or, you know, sort of highlight which games you want to take in. Mm -hmm. Kickoff times are ranging anywhere from 1 p.m. in New Zealand to 8.30 p.m. in Perth, Australia, because it's being co-hosted by New Zealand and Australia. So there's a lot to get into here, but we, we obviously are, are keeping an eye on Group E and the United States Women's National Team. Of course we are. I mean, I've just, full disclosure, I am horrible at time zones. Sandra will 
attest to this because we are in different time zones when we record. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, which way are our hours going. I'm so bad at it. Thank goodness for Google because there are time zone translators that you can, and converters, that's what they're called, time zone converters. So you can put in the time zone of the match, especially for US fans, if you're looking at the schedule because FIFA dropped it. Um, I will link that in the description of this episode, the new FIFA schedule that has all the different times and every single match that'll be played. So you can just plug in the time and then put in your time zone into the converter and it'll tell you what time it is because we are a whole day apart if you're in the United States on the East Coast. We're a day apart. So when you look at specifically like the United States group, um, the opening match that the U.S. will play against Vietnam is being played on July 22nd. Kickoff will be 1 o'clock in New Zealand, but that is July 21st. 8 p.m. In, in New York and then 5 p.m. in LA. So it's the day before if they're playing that like one o'clock game. So you gotta you gotta be aware of that if you see that on yep. the schedule. So it's not the 22nd, it's actually the 21st yep. at 8 p.m. in New York and 5 p.m. in LA. Uh, but 8 p.m. is not too bad, Sandra. I mean, the last time we covered an international tournament, we were covering it remotely, and yep. it was when the Olympics were in Tokyo. And those times were nuts. So it was like 4 a.m., oh, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., um, which is tough, which is tough, especially in the summer. So it's a little bit better with an 8 p.m. And then the United States second match against the Netherlands is actually at the exact same time. So 1 o'clock in New Zealand and then um, the day before 8 p.m. East Coast, 5 p.m. on the West Coast. And then the third group match um, is against uh, a opponent they don't know yet that's the playoff the playoff uh nation that will get into the world cup that'll be 7 p.m new zealand time which is 2 a.m in new york and 11 p.m in la so the times are ranging a little bit here but we're what nine months out people can start circling these dates on their calendar and understand like hey there's a 2 a.m kickoff time i've got to either go to bed early and wake up or just stay up late on that night uh, for sure. I mean, that's what I'm doing for sure. I mean, listen, we, we got to having the schedule drop is already giving us a window, right? A peek into the window of, of what things can look like in, in, in the summer, in July. Um, I know I'm excited about it. I want to shout out uh, Allison Gale, who made a really cool website for folks to utilize. It's 2023wwc.allisongale.com. You can play around with the schedule, the map, the itinerary of the 2023 World Cup in New Zealand and Australia. You can filter by teams that you want to follow. You can filter by cities that you want to follow. Throw in your time zone compared to the local time zone. Um, it's very, very cool, and it is a very, very helpful tool. When I saw that, I was like, gosh, I love, I love smart here. People. I love smart people that can create these things to make dumb people like me understand the world better. It's I was amazing. like, I, I was like, I absolutely love it here. Like it just talk about coming through clutch and just really being able to, to, you know, come through for, for so many in the space and in the community who want to watch this, this tournament, quite frankly. So um, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, a lot more fun things to, to chat about in terms of the, the schedule, you know, so maybe, maybe you're not here for the women's national team. Let's just be real. Maybe you're not here for the U S women's national team. Maybe you just want to take a look at, at those knockout rounds, the, the round of 16, the quarterfinals, the semis, the final, uh, you want to, you want to see those elimination high stakes 
type of games, you could do that too. You could just sort of um, play around with the different paths to to those to those knockout rounds, and then sort of uh, you know figure out how uh, to schedule around your your timing along that. So. Um, I know folks are, uh, if you missed it, we did a World Cup draw reaction episode. So I just want to plug that here as well. Please go take a look at that. We chatted all about uh, Group E, the United States Women's National Team group, how there's uh, still some things to be determined there, right? Because they have a playoff winner that in the Inter-Confederation uh, playoff. It's playoff winner A, I, uh, if I remember correctly. That is going to slot in to that fourth team within that group. So it's either going to be uh, Portugal, Cameroon, or Thailand alongside Vietnam uh, and Netherlands as well with the United States. So uh, we talk all about that. We, we talk a little bit about who we thought our our, our group of, uh, of death is, who we thought our you know group of chaos is going to be. So uh, check it out on YouTube if you haven't or wherever you find your podcast. Uh it's like if it's not if it's not the NWSL championship, Lisa, I just find myself also getting excited about the World Cup as like every day goes by. Yes, completely. It's all happening. Um, I think getting the times right, like we had the schedule for the World Cup uh, for the last several months, but we didn't know the groups and, and yeah. who was going to be where. So after the draw, once you knew the groups, I mean, I looked at the schedule and I was trying to figure it out because once you know Group A, but then it's like the positioning. And now that it's officially out and it's set, it, it feels so real, especially because the Men's World Cup is about to kick off as yeah. well. That's that's around the corner. Um, I'm truly excited for that as well to, to kind of watch our men's United States team and, and see what they do. But it's crazy to think that like the, all the soccer worlds combining, right? Because the NWSL and their playoffs is happening. And then we have the world cup schedule. Um, it is going to be a very exciting year of soccer starting now until like next October. Right. It's like a puzzle. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a puzzle. Like we've just sort of like been getting these new, we've gotten new pieces, right. To sort of put in within this larger puzzle. And it's just, uh, it's like a full picture that you're starting to see. Mm-hmm come together. And that's, what's been so delightful uh, about it for me. And of course I love hopping on here and in the mornings and getting on a, a live and chatting about it with you and chatting about it, uh, you know, with our viewers and um, you know, all generating all the excitement that there is around it so far, but that's not uh, the only news and uh, updates that we want to chat about during this episode. We're excited to chat a little bit about, end of the year awards. So we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive on that with everyone joining us. And we're going to chat some women's super league to close out the episode, but we're going to do that right after a quick break. Here at Attacking Third on CBS Sports, we are committed to bringing you the best of the best from around the National Women's Soccer League. And we cannot do that without being able to travel to get the stories that you all enjoy. But the best stories aren't the ones that we tell you. They're the ones that you get to live. Meeting people in person, facing challenges face-to-face, and getting out of your hometown and out of your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to set to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta Airlines, the official airline of the National Women's Soccer League. Be sure to fly Delta if you're coming to the championship in D.C. Get your tickets for the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand's on Delta. Uh, It's the best way to, to go see the game in person. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, there's a couple of really cool, exciting things coming up where you can 
grab a flight, grab it from Delta specifically mm -hmm. if you need to get there. Uh, we're already chatting about the World Cup a lot. We're obviously amped to head on over to Washington, D.C. to cover the NWSL Championship Final. And I know that there's a lot of folks out there that like to, to do that for themselves as well. So, yeah, shout out to uh, to Delta for sure. Look them up if you're looking for a flight. Something else that I want to plug. This is also not just news and notes. Apparently, it's the plug episode. Uh, we did do a end-of-year uh, awards episode where we talked pretty heavily about the individual awards that uh, are issued towards the, the end of the season, primarily around this time. It's usually during the postseason, especially during the week and the buildup into the championship final. Uh, we, do, we usually know at the end of a regular NWSL season who the Golden Boot winner mm -hmm. already is. It's it's the, it's awarded to the top score throughout the regular season. But there's also categories for uh, individual awards that honor Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, MVP, Defender of the Year, and Goalkeeper of the Year. But there's also a really prestigious honor that comes through uh, the end of the year as well, and that is the NWSL Best 11. They usually award and recognize a best starting 11 and also a second best 11. So that's an exciting time to maybe take a look at, uh, at players who could find themselves sprinkled right across either of those best 11s. And if you have already watched that episode where Lisa and I chatted a little bit about the nominees for the individual awards, you might have heard us sort of make our picks for those as well. So we thought it would be fun to come in here and do something similar with the best 11s. I'm happy. Yes. I mean, because we, we love to do this. We love to highlight players. Uh, I want to put a disclosure out there. This was incredibly hard for me to oh. pick. Um, I, I do not vote in like the media that gets to actually do this and award. Um, I know Sandra, you have your hand a little bit more in that. This is more just doing it for attacking. They're doing it for me. Um, and, and of course there are some players that as you reflect on the season, they immediately jump out to you like, okay, so-and-so is going to be on my best 11 list. Like I look at someone like a Sophia Smith, uh, Alex Morgan, Go golden boot winner, um, Naomi Gurma defender, but there are other players that are, I'm not going to say bubble players, but there's like, it's so easy to find the top tier. And then the players that uh, didn't play, didn't see a lot of minutes this year. And then all the players in the middle that have really good games or really influential moments yeah. in the year for their team, but maybe they weren't as consistent throughout the 22 games, or maybe they missed a big chunk due to injury. So their average of like minutes they played and impacts that they had, it changes a little bit, whether a team, uh, traded a player away and then they had a great impact at one team and not so much at the first team that they started at. There's just like so many different factors that go into it that I find it extremely difficult to pick just 11, even just 22 players if we end up doing a, a first 11 and a second best 11. Um, but I had a lot of fun with this and I am really excited to hear who you pick, Sandra, and who you went for. Look, uh, at this point, you know, it's so... I think it's so tough because I think a lot of it does come down to, you know, regular season performances. I think oftentimes just to sort of, you know, maybe shed a little light for people who don't know, there's, there's always a preliminary round of voting for finalists and it is uh, primarily composed of, of votes between um, members of the NWSL media association, but the, the votes are weighted against um 
at a way to scale against mm-hmm. you know players, coaches, GMs. Uh, so that's how the nominations are sort of listed out. And then in the final round of voting, there is a, a fan vote that's included um, as well and taken into consideration for the the finalists that are put out there. So a lot oftentimes when the the vote the preliminary voting categories take place. Um, it's usually in the buildup to the postseason. So a lot of this is, I feel is, has a lot of, um, has a lot of weight on, on the regular season performances. And I think what we're seeing obviously in this postseason where you see some really outstanding individual performances, I think maybe that also kind of weighs on people's mind as well, where it's just kind of like, Oh, how can so-and-so, you know, not have been a finalist in here or, you know, not maybe considered for that. I think people are starting to see that in maybe some categories like this, this rookie of the year category or the goalkeeper of the year category, right? Somebody like a Sam coffee and their presence for uh, Portland Thorns, right? In that rookie of the year category or something like the, the goalkeeper, battle that we saw between Phyllis Joyce and Adriana French in, in, in the semifinal people are probably that perhaps is maybe was the deal breaker for them. But guess what? The voting closed. It closed a long time ago. So maybe that's also like something where it's like to, to, to think, take into consideration and think about um, as well. So I'm also excited to see who you, uh, you know, kind of have scattered across the, the best 11, the second 11. I'm almost grateful for a second 11 to exist. It's always existed. Yeah. But I think for, for like, we're celebrating 10 years of, of NWSL's existence. And I just sort of feel like this year, now more than ever, it's like, gosh, there were just so many really, really good performances from individuals for their teams. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hyped to hear it. I, do you, would you like to, to go first, Lisa, and this one, I have a feeling for the first 11, we're going to have a lot of overlap. I do as well. Maybe. Um, well, let's go line, line by line. Yeah, let's go line for line. That way we can see. Because um, honestly, goalkeeper was difficult for me. And I I, I made this after the playoffs started, right? But I know that it it takes into account only the regular season and not the playoffs. And when you look at goalkeeper of the year between A.D. Franch and Kaylin Sheridan, that was my big toss-up. And I think when you look at just their regular seasons, I give the edge to Sheridan. Um, I think that... Sheridan just played a little bit more consistent this year, perhaps with a team that that faced more shots, right, than than uh, Kansas City. It was under a bit more pressure and scrutiny because San Diego Wave was an expansion side. But as soon as you enter the playoffs, the edge goes to AD French because Sheridan ends up making the mistake early in the match for San Diego against Chicago. And, and you look at the match that French just had for Kansas City against OL Reign and, like, lights out goalkeeper of the year, like best 11. Like there are just so many more accolades that go to her. So that was like my biggest toss up between French and Sheridan, like regular season Sheridan, yeah. postseason French. You know what? I think it's, just, I still think it's a really good pick. Honestly, I really, really do. I, uh, you, you see the, you see the three nominees, three finalists, right. In, in that category. Uh, and I'm sure folks can, you know, make their arguments for, to, to widen that from, three nominees to, to, to five finalists, right? There are some categories, like MVP category has five finalists and we have these other categories that just sort of limited to, to three. Um, and I think this is one of those areas where you could perhaps broaden that uh, as well. Um, but I think looking at regular season record, I, I like your pick uh, Sheridan. I went with Fallon Tullis Joyce for my mm-hmm. best 11 when looking at the overall um, you, you know, regular season. I just really liked uh, how this player just sort of really came in out of nowhere for a lot of uh, folks watching NWSL, perhaps for the first time. 
um, and really sort of just grabbing that position and cementing her place within it. Um, and I'm talking all the way even through like Challenge Cup through, you know, regular season as well. Um, I think we are just seeing, you know, just sort of witnessing the beginnings of, of Fallon Tully's choice, quite frankly. Very, very young. I think the ceiling is very high. Uh, goalkeepers tend to have a little bit of a, of a longer, um, you know, career in terms of their position on the, on the pitch. And I'm hopeful that we'll, we'll get to see even more out of, out of Tullis Joyce uh, in the years to come. So I went with, with Fallon Tullis Joyce for, for goalkeeper. Let's, let's take a look at this back line. This was uh, my, my vote went as followed. I went with Sofia Huerta. I went with Naomi Girma. I went with Kelly Hubley and I went with Carson Pickett for my back four. How, how close are we, Lisa? We are four for four. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Four for four. Yeah. I mean, you look at someone like uh, a Naomi Gurma. I mean, that was the first name I wrote down. That was like a, the oh. easiest one for me. Um, San Diego Wave center back, the rookie out of Stanford. This was a, a fantastic year for her. I mean, besides the accolades, she was nominated for MVP, Defender of the Year, and Rookie of the Year. I think her growth was just truly phenomenal and really fun to watch. She ends up being a captain at the end of the year for Casey Stoney in just her first year playing she gets minutes with the national team um which which only helped her on the pitch in the nwsl um sofia huerta for ol rain yes right there alongside of you a player that um two years ago was not playing this position a year and a half ago was not playing this position and truly grew into it and and really started to own it um kelly hubley at portland thorns a, a lockdown defender, Iron Woman, I believe, for the Thorns as well, playing every single minute. I mean, so deserving of this position. And Carson Pickett. Um, we talked about this last year, Sandra, if you remember. And, and we talk about it a lot. Like, when defenders win awards, like, are you looking for, like, that 1v1 defender that is just, like, so defensively sound, yeah. someone like a Gurma who is not going to let anything get past her. She's she's not going to get assists. She's not going to get goals on the year unless it's on, like, a corner kick and she's pulled up into the box. She's going to play a really simple pass, but you know that every single pass is on the money. So, like, Hubley and, and Gurma are that for me. And Pickett and Huerta are my outside backs that um, do do what like you want an outside back to do in a four back, which is expose other teams in the flanks, create opportunities, yeah. send crosses in. So that's kind of how I I picked it: two for two, two center yeah. backs, two outside backs. No, that that's where I'm at as well with it. I, listen, I uh, when it comes to the individual award or defender of the year, I mean it's in it's in the title, right? Defender of the year. I want to see, you know, the player that has the, the strong one D one V one, uh, you know, abilities. I want to see the, the, the dual winning type of, of center backs, right. Um, recoveries are incredibly important. Right. But I think that is where that's maybe one of the neutral statistical areas for, for a defender. You have the outside backs in this modern era of football who cover a lot of ground. Right. So I would imagine that they have uh, a ton of recoveries under that, but you know, I think we have seen uh, often, oftentimes, um, in more recent, in more recent years, I would say that uh, something like the the fullback kind of, you know, gets those accolades. And then one of those stats that kind of comes up is the fact that they've, you know, delivered X amount of crosses or provided yeah. X amount of assists. And those aren't defensive statistics, and in my opinion. Um, that's they're not, great stats. They're great yeah, they're, stats. And it's it's like this concept. I've heard someone make this argument. Well, it's like, you know, it's like defense by playing offense. And I'm kind of like, uh, that's an interesting spin on it. But so are we gonna so are we gonna give someone like um 
Trinity Rodman, who like it puts pressure. Massive, on. Yes, thank yeah, you. That's she's going to be example. a defender of the year because she yeah. starts the defense for Washington and she puts because she covers so much ground. First <laughs> wave of pressure between the 18s off the ball coverage. No, yeah, I know. No. I was like, I can't be sold on that. I can't be sold on, on no. that. But um, uh, I'm hopeful for we, we have a lot of great can- candidates in, in in defender of the year, and of course, yes, two of them are uh, outside backs. But you know, I'm not too surprised that our our, our back four look the same. I thought, you know, you've, you've said a ton of, of great things that I agree with about Guillermo. I thought Kelly Hubley was one of these mm-hmm. center backs really holding it down for Portland throughout the season. I mean, they're their iron woman, quite frankly, playing every minute. Um, and that is, and that's also something that I look for, you know, who is dominating within those, yeah. those positions as well for their team uh, throughout the season. So yeah, I like this back four. I think when it comes to an ideal best 11 of the season, this is probably the, the top, the top picks uh, that you can get uh, throughout it. Let's take a look at the middle third here. I think maybe we might have a little bit of, uh, of some different, different shades here uh, because I like uh, my midfielders to absolutely be a a bit of passing minded, a bit of just sort of tempo setting type of minis with a little bit of a punch to go through. So I, Absolutely went with uh, Danny Colaprico and Vanessa DiBernardo uh, to sort of hold things down in this middle third. I thought these were two players who we saw for the Chicago Red Stars sort of lead this team, ensure that this team made their way back to the postseason, uh, stayed, you know, pretty much stay relevant throughout that upper half of the t- uh, the the table throughout the duration of the regular season. We're talking just mere minutes from being, you know, iron woman level uh, for this team. It's like they hardly ever got a rest and somehow managed to, uh, you know, navigate this season uh, throughout it. You know, it's a very, very lengthy season. And sometimes it could take a toll on a body, especially a midfielder. Uh, but I also have Dabinia in my uh, best 11 as well, in, in this one as well. And I, I like uh, I liked all three of them uh, to sort of handle things in the midfield there. How about you? Yeah, I mean, midfield is the hardest position for me to pick. Um, And then, like, I'm always very much, like, looking at my formation. So, like, how many midfielders can I get in there? Can I do a 3-5? Oh, yeah. I would have loved loved it if you would have came on here and said, like, I got a a 3-5-2, and I would have been like, let's hear it. Yeah. I did not, though, right? I already lined up with four defenders, so I'm sticking (laughs) with three in the midfield um, because it's so hard, right? If you want to give the forwards their shout that they they deserve, three for me. Uh, But midfielder is the hardest because I was limited to just three players that I had to pick from. I also went with Dabinia. Huge, huge year for her. She turned things around um, for this North Carolina team. Like, remember, they went on to win the Challenge Cup to start this year so many moons ago. And and then the tear that Dabinia went on to not only get goals, but to bring Caroline right along with her and Dan Ardonez. I think, like, the the overall play that Dabinia had this year was just top-notch and phenomenal. Um, I went with Lola Bonta of Kansas City Current. This player had a tremendous year, a knockout year with a team that turned everything around from last year. And Labonta was a player that uh, was on this Kansas City team last year and struggled, right? They really struggled to pick up points. They struggled to find their rhythm. And I think it's a player like Labonta that does turn so much of that around off the pitch. And then it translates to the pitch because of how dedicated and and just how talented day in and day out. Um, Then I went with Sam Coffey, Portland Thorns. Um, I, I, I wanted to give this player a shout because Coffee, as the defensive six midfielder, um, 
I think she was one of the best this year in the, in the league. Dep- like when you look at the consistency, yep. the amount of minutes, the competition, the players around her and one of the best, like the best six for me, the best defensive midfielder ever playing is one that rarely anything gets past them and they're on the ball incredibly limited amounts of time. One, two touches, gets it in, gets it out, keeps it moving. They don't have the ball at their feet a lot of the time. They're not the 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 sole like best player on the team, right? They they just re- release the ball and give it to the best players on the team. And I think that Coffee did that tremendously. So that's now I've got two rookies on my best eleven in this first year. Labonte, Dabinia, Coffee. That's okay. That's the type of season yeah. that that we were witnessing. I love that. Uh, I think that those are. That's again great mid- midfield. I, I I can't wait for these official I know best 11s to drop. I feel like there will be a lot of uh overlap here and you, there's the margins are so thin I think between that first and that second. It's going to be exciting to see. All right. So it sounds like we're settling out for four three threes just to sort of, you know, get the paint the whole picture. Let's talk about our front three. Who do you got in your attack, Lisa? I feel like these might be pretty similar. I've got Alex Morgan, Golden Boot winner, Sophia Smith for Portland Thorns, and then Mallory Pugh for Chicago Red Stars. Who you got, Sandra? Same. Same. Yeah. <laughs> so our I, back line and our front line, the exact same. Goalkeeper and midfielder, yeah, yeah. We, we switched it up a little. Yeah, I uh, I love that. I I just am like – I had a feel, I was like, there might be some overlap, but I feel like once we get in the middle, that there might be some, there might be a difference in there. But uh, I'm not too surprised that the back four and the front three are are the same. I, I, listen, I, I don't, I don't know how you look at this trio and the individual seasons that they had for their respective clubs and not put them in your front three. Uh, just outstanding individual seasons. You're you're talking about players that if you kind of pluck them out of the system of those teams, maybe you have some question marks mm-hmm. around you know certain games. You know, again, because we're talking about those margins being so thin and so narrow. Well, there's also room for second elevens as well, uh, and I would imagine that this is where things might get really, really different uh, for the two of us. But you know, until uh, we'll just start from the back and go all the way uh, to the front. Uh, I've got French uh, on my second. I've got Lauren Barnes, uh, Katie Nodden, Elizabeth Ball, and Tatum Malazzo for uh, back four. How about you, Lisa? I have French as well because I gave Sheridan the nod for my, my first team. So I have French in the back, and then I have Haley Mace, um, Alex Luera, and Malazzo and Ball. Sorry. I will say okay. this again. I have Haley Mace from Kansas City Current, Alex Luera, Kansas City Current, Tatum Malazzo, Chicago, and then Elizabeth Ball. So okay, that's a, little, that's a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of similarity. I like that. Yeah, yeah no. We're we're watching um we're watching obviously the, the postseasons are fresh in our mind, but I don't, you know, Elizabeth Ball having again outstanding regular season. Love the performance that she's been putting in front of net for uh Kansas City current. Uh Malazzo, again, one of those players uh where you could sort of look at and say has had a really strong season. I think it was a toss-up, you know, for for somebody like a Malazzo or a Morse for me. Uh yeah. Morse also having a, a case as well. Um but I really liked uh, seeing Ole Rain and and I think part of 
Valentilis Joyce having a pretty good season. Yeah. The fact that she had some some veteran presence in front of her and somebody like Lauren Barnes, a very reliable, solid player, um, someone who was able to shift either at that fullback or center back position for Laura Harvey in the O.L. Reign. So uh, that's how things shook out there. How about your middle third? Who you got for your middle three? So um, I I am I'm sorry, my have like chicken scratch on my paper right here. So my second best is different. So I it's Mace. Luera and Malazzo. I don't have ball in this one. I initially did cross her out. So I went with three in the back. Okay. And then I'm going to go four in the midfield Love with it. Rose Lavelle, Taylor Corniak, Vanessa DiBernardo, and June Endo. Love it. I love it so much. Uh, June Endo was outstanding this season. One of the, one of the really good off-season pickups, quite frankly, and, and doing it I, all. I'm just so impressed with this player. Yeah, and doing it all for an expansion team. You know, it's tough for me to, to place Endo because I think with how she was utilized in the second half of the season as well, like we, we saw her all over the pitch. At some point we saw her very, very low playing kind of like the, like a wingback kind of a role. So it's it's tough to, 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 see, to, to see that. Uh, I, I, I agree. Like putting – Endo, like her positioning in my lineup. So I, that's why I just put her in the midfield. Um, and with like Lavelle, Corniak, DiBernardo, I mean, you gave DiBernardo a shout in your best 11, like one of the most consistent players in this league, um, but not not as much of an impact player as I would have liked her to be. Like, right, get, maybe getting a couple more goals, a couple more assists this year, like on the stat sheet. That's why she's in my second. And then Corniak, a player that just developed this year so, so tremendously. And then Rose, Rosie Lavelle. Yeah, it's 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 hard to even imagine that there's like players that I don't even have on that like best eleven because there's absolutely that Junendo's one of those for me that I went uh, back and forth. I also went with four in the middle. I'm going more four four two versus four three three. Uh, Levanta Coffee, Lavelle, and Sugia is going to be in in my four as well. I thought had a stepped in so big for Portland Thorns this year. I think one of the huge question marks for this team going into their regular season was, oh my God, Lindsay Heron's leaving. She's redoing her whole contract so that she can eventually come back to Portland, but she's definitely leaving for an extended period of time. What's going to happen in this middle third? What's it going to look like? And the answer was Hina Sugita. Yeah. Outstanding. I thought had a great performance. Again, one of those uh, off-season pickups that could be, you know, you know, titled one of the best, quite frankly, uh, in, in this league. I'm with you for all the things that you've mentioned with Labonte, Coffee, and Lavelle as well. My front two, I'm going with uh, the Mexican internationals. I'm going with Maria Sanchez and Diana Ordonez. Who do you got? I have Salmon, Ebony Salmon. I think her impact at Houston was tremendous. Um, Kristen Hamilton at Kansas City and then Diana Ordonez. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see how these 11s shake out for the NWSL. Uh, you know, let us know what you think. Who who do you think should, you know, uh, be in, in either the first or second best 11s in NWSL? Did you vote? Did you vote during the fan voting period? I mean, that's really how you got to make your, your opinion heard, right, if you had the, the chance to, to vote. But um, keep an eye out for all of those types of awards, likely dropping – do throughout the duration of this week leading up to the NWSL championship final. And of course, before we close out, we wanted to show some love to FA women's super league. It's been a chaotic time. We didn't forget about you. There has been some exciting things happening in women's super league. It's still just, just hitting its tipping point. You know, it's, it's only October. 
we've just got a few games, a few weeks, uh, you know, under under the belt in terms of what can happen in this league. But some things have happened so far. We had, we haven't seen uh, any draws in this in this uh, season so far. You're either walking home a winner or a loser out of these games. That's been an exciting <laughs> component uh, so far in this league. Arsenal and Man United are currently undefeated. And for folks who are keeping up on Paramount Plus, you can catch Everton versus Manchester United this weekend on Paramount Plus. What a time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is a crazy time in the Super League right now because of, as you said, like it's wins or losses. There are no draws, which I love to see. Um, but at the top of the table, the Gunners, Arsenal, they're, they're four games undefeated, as are Manchester United, um, I think, not something too surprising, right? These are two clubs that have been at the top of the table in recent years. And the the start that they've had is just phenomenal. Um, zero goes goals against for both of those sides as well, which is really impressive to see across four matches, like four shutouts for them. Yeah. Chelsea, though, they're they're dropped to third. I mean, they're still at the top, but yeah. they are four, four and one on the season. But they did... Um, suffer one loss this year so far but uh yeah i mean it's great to see it's the competition is incredibly fun to watch these athletes are really fun to watch and if you start watching the super league now you'll get a taste for the world cup because so many of these players are on world cup teams i mean you look at england and the euros and and the players that they splash across these rosters is really really fun and tremendous to watch oh yeah England, uh, Ireland, right? We could see we yeah. see a ton of uh, European nations, uh, UEFA uh, programs that are represented in the uh, FA Women's Super League. Top four right now, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea, and Everton. On the outside, looking in at fifth and sixth place, fifth is West Ham, Manchester City in sixth place, Ashton Villa in seventh place, Tottenham in eighth, Liverpool sitting in ninth place, Brighton-Hoven Albion in 10th, Reading in 11th, and Leicester City currently sitting at the bottom of the table in 12th place. But look, it's anywhere from five to four matches that have been played. Still a ton of season left in Super League. Make sure you keep up with all the action with Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. That's all we've got today for everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us live and listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow, and listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating and review. You can watch us, subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts whenever we go live. And make sure you get your tickets to the NWSL Championship in D.C. Mm-hmm. They're almost sold out. We'll I be there. You can come hang out with us during FanFest. Please do. We want to we wanna see you guys. It's, it's getting down to the wire. Join us for our live show. We'll be back with more coverage, exclusive interviews, and our NWSL playoff coverage this week. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was a techie third.